Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Jamal Thomas. I'm joined with my co-host Shane Stranahan coming to you live out of our station in Washington, D.C. And we're going to move to Myanmar for a bit. Um, in a closed-door trial in Nipidaw, the capital, Aung San Suu Kyi, the civilian leader or the former civilian leader of Myanmar, has been convicted, for lack of a better term. Um, she's been included in first series of charges, these including public unrest, and they basically sentenced her to four years in prison. Um, we've been covering this story, so we wanted to cover the conviction. Um, to join us, we have Carl Jia. Carl Jia is host of Silk and Steel podcast, focused on China and surrounding regions and their history, culture, and politics. Carl, thank you for joining us on short notice. How are you doing this morning? Hey, how are you? Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. So Aung San Suu Kyi is convicted and is getting four years in prison. Um, and that's, I would imagine, just the beginning. One of the other charges had something to do about COVID um, at one point. It seems like they were looking for any and everything to basically hit her with to give this kind of a patina a legitimacy after the military coup. Um, what are your thoughts on all of this and the charges in general? I mean, is your assessment basically the same as mine where, look, they were just trying to find some way to put her on ice in order to convict her to get her out of the way um, as a civilian leader um, after the coup government takes over? What are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, I mean, like the charge on disrupting a public order during pandemic. I mean, these this pretty ridiculous, as you said there. But this is pretty much uh, predict predictable from uh, the time when the coup actually happened. Now the military just want to make sure to put her behind bars for good. They don't they don't need her anymore. They before they needed her because they they had reached a deal with the United States. Uh, in order for the lift, lifting of sanction against Myanmar. Uh, but now, you know, as we have talked about before, Aung San Suu Kyi's power grew to a point it threatened the junta, so they, they decided she has to go. But you know what? I think the military junta probably couldn't have chosen a better time to do the coup uh, because of the pandemic. I mean, what, what could U.S. possibly do? Put, put more sanctions on Myanmar? Most of the Southeast Asia is, is under lockdown right now. I mean, n n nobody is going in or out of the country. Uh, you know, what is economic sanctions going to do right now? Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think this is all pretty predictable what they want to do. They, they just uh, decided this is, you know, they have no use for her anymore. It's going to put her away for good. Also, another side of this. Uh, is this the is this the end of Aung San Suu Kyi? And I, I don't mean the grisly end, but the political end. In other words, are we going to see her come back out, try to reassert herself? I don't know what that would involve. But what do you think? Another way of looking at this is she didn't need the military anymore. I guess she that was you know you said that she got so powerful and that she had been making uh, they had been calling for a meeting with her repeatedly, repeatedly sending letters to her administration, trying to bring her to the table. I'm not I'm not defending them or being playing an apologist. I'm just saying they were trying to talk with her basically. And uh, she wasn't wanting to have that conversation as she tried to move past the strongly military-led government. They responded by saying, well, we don't need you. And that's actually the way the power flows. Anyway, do you think Aung San Suu Kyi is going to come back as a political leader? This is, this, uh, you know, she was in political exile. She was a political prisoner for decades under military rule. Is this just going to be a resumption of that? And what, what do you think is going to be on the other side of this for her, girl? Yeah, I mean, never, never say never, right? I mean, but Aung San Suu Kyi is not a spring chicken anymore, you know, but, but compared to the time when she was first put under house arrest. She was like in her uh, 20s, right? In, in, 
she was in either her late twenties or early thirties. I mean, now now she's it's it's been more than forty years have passed. I mean, how the military is is piling all kind of charge on her. They're gonna put they try to put her away for life, basically. But they've decided uh, a new you know what's going to happen to her. What's going to happen to her political future is really going to depend on how, say, the the Western powers will in its next move. Because it, it, Aung San Suu Kyi is a West woman in Myanmar. They put her in power after 2012, basically. And and to keep in mind, like the the Aung San Suu Kyi story uh, is also a cautionary tale for the U.S. foreign policy because. When they first, uh, you know, uh, negotiated, broker a, 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 a basically agreement with the junta to allow Aung San Suu Kyi to be uh, spring out of the jail and doing power sharing agreement, all that when all when all that was going on, when Hillary Clinton visited Yang, Yangon to visit uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, that's that's when the Rohingya crisis already started. But U.S. made no mention about the Rohingya. From, for all those years, because they thought Aung San Suu Kyi, you know, coming to power, she's going to be the pliable Western proxy in Myanmar to stop, to put a stop to the the integration of Myanmar into China's orbit. But next thing you know, you know, Aung San Suu Kyi went to China, met with Xi Jinping, and that's when we start to hear about, you know, how Aung San Suu Kyi is not speak, speaking up for the Rohingya uh, refugees and how Aung San Suu Kyi's Nobel Peace Prize should be stripped from her. And, and now that made the military junta saw opportunity. They saw, oh, okay, you know, the, now, now Aung San Suu Kyi's name is be, basically being uh, tainted in the West, her, her main backer. You know, what, what else does she has? Nothing. That's they, interesting. They, they saw no... So you don't yeah, think they would have did this if it wasn't for the Rohingya massacre? And basically, the political hit she took for it in the West. But it, but it also sounds like Carl, you were saying that that was the United States pivoting on that was a response to Aung San Suu Kyi going to meet with Xi Jinping. In other words, once once she showed that she was trying to remain at least an independent figure, if not leading towards their side, we said, okay, we'll hit you on this, right? Exactly. I mean, the United States don't really care about Rohingya, you know, human rights. Like I said, the Rohingya crisis started in 2012, right when Aung San Suu Kyi was coming back into the political scene, brokered by the U.S. agreement with the junta. And and Rohingya crisis only deepened throughout the time that uh, Aung San Suu Kyi was in, her party was in power. And Aung San Suu Kyi was quite, uh, you know, she basically made excuse for the for the Myanmar military and all the crackdown on the Rohingyas because she, she also rightly understand that her support from the Banmar majority in Myanmar, they, the Banmar majority have, you know, just, they just don't care for the Rohingya. So she, she will not only not speak up for the Rohingya people, she is firmly on the side of the majority in their treatment of the Rohingya. So, but, but that wasn't an issue for us while, while uh, they thought they could use her and her government to steer Myanmar away from China. But once that Aung San Suu Kyi, you know, keep on keep keeps going to Beijing and and uh, signing up for the China's Belt and Road Initiative, U.S. thought, oh, okay, now we're gonna hit her with the Rohingya human rights thing, and and the military just saw a, a, a opportunity. I mean, they're very opportunistic people, and they they just they just decide this is time to remove her since she her name is already tainted. Wow. 
Okay, wow, that's fascinating. Um, what do you think is gonna take place going forward on this particular case? And, and for that matter, if she's gonna be in prison, the military junta, um, they basically consolidated power at this point. Yes, I mean, um, right now, Myanmar, you know, despite all these uh, stories about the crackdown that's coming out of Myanmar, you, you may see from the oppositions, uh, inside Myanmar, it's returning into some kind of new normal. Remember, this is also, you know, the, the pandemic time. Uh, th there's actually a YouTube channel called Eat Sleep Yang Yangon. I think it's started by a Western expat. Uh, I think it's Aussie expat. Uh, it's basically a, a, like a, a thirst. I, I call it the thirst trap street food tour of Yangon. She hires a bunch of uh, attractive local women to take you on food tours throughout Yangon. But the good thing is it's it's constantly updated and you can see through these videos that at least on the street level, uh, the, the life is kind of returning to a kind of new, settling into a new normal in Yangon. People are going about their lives. It's not like, you know, massive protests everywhere all the time. Uh, people are people people are moving on largely. I, and I think that's what the military junta is counting on. Yeah. They're counting on uh, just kind of sh shove Aung San Suu Kyi in the background, you know, put her in jail and uh, and then pretend, you know, not, nothing, nothing else happened. And, and at this point, the uh, U.S. is also busy. I mean, I, really, US, U.S. don't have too much option at this point. Like, like I said, it's a pandemic. Any more sanction on Myanmar is basically not going to be that effective. Um, and and you will you really be interesting to see how the rest of the uh, countries in ASEAN respond to, uh, you know, the continue the, the coming back of the military junta. But so far, what we have seen is that looks like everybody just want to return to business as, as usual. But wh whether that's going to happen, that, that's, that's another question. But uh, we will have to see. It sounds like neither of the major parties that would, uh, I mean, clearly China with the Belt and Road Initiative and is obviously the major regional power has a, not a say, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but is going to want to have a say in the region. The United States as the main geopolitical policeman or whatever, even, you know, fading as that is, they're the other country that I would expect to want to get involved as a major power, theoretically India, but it's just really just the United, United States and China. And the United States doesn't have much to gain from protecting Aung San Suu Kyi because she had, after all, tried to play independent and, you know, had been working with the Chinese. And from what I've heard, I don't see what they would gain by, you know, the, the military's already won. I don't know what they would gain by trying to get involved and reinstate her, having done what she's done. And, I mean, and for the Chinese, from what conversations we've had with you and also uh, another guest of ours on this one, KJ No. They, they're more pragmatic in the sense of being willing to do business with Aung San Suu Kyi or the new military coup or whomever, whichever administration is in power, just because, you know, it's not their say. I, I don't want to characterize their relationship, but basically they don't right. care particularly. Right, Carl? Right. But I, again, uh, I think U.S. is playing a spoiler role right now. I mean, you, you know, if you look at what China is doing in the region, China has been proactive. China just completed the new China-Laos high-speed railway connecting uh, China regional capital Kunming to the, the Laotian capital Vientiane. And there was also another plan to connect China with Myanmar with high-speed railway. The, uh, that, well, of course, that was put on hold in, that was actually put on hold in 2014 uh, before Aung San Suu Kyi came fully into power by the previous junta government. And, and under Aung San Suu Kyi, there was actually the, 
you know, after Myanmar signed up with the Belt and Road Initiative with China, that that railroad project was kind of was about to to take off before the before the coup happened. So what you U.S. could potentially do is, uh, you know, piling up a whole bunch of economic sanctions, making uh, doing business with Myanmar increasingly difficult, even for Chinese firms. So basically. Uh, you know, U.S. is not playing a, a constructive role, but U.S. can make life difficult for Myanmar, for the business environment in Myanmar, for China to do more business in Myanmar. So in that way, you know, it makes sense for China to apply, I mean, for U.S. to apply diplomatic pressure, you know, through its media to paint, you know, to use a human rights issue as a club to beat uh, beat the Myanmar junta government with and, and while keep Myanmar economically and politically isolated. Carl, I want to thank you for joining us, man. This is a fascinating issue. Um, and like I said, we've been covering the story and you've been doing a great job giving us a rundown on what's taking place, why it's taking place. Um, you guys, the voice that you guys were listening to is Carl Ja. He's host of Silk and Steel podcast focused on China and surrounding regions and their history, culture, and politics. You can follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Ja. You can follow his podcast on Twitter at Silk's steel silk in and subscribe and support his podcast on patreon.com slash silk and steel you guys are listening to fault lines thomas and stranahan we'll be back taking your calls in the wrap that's 202-521-1320 back shortly